We are told to consider him, Jesus. To consider Jesus. To consider Jesus. To consider him who suffered. Him who went to the cross on our behalf. To consider Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3. And that word consider there means to think repetitively about something. To think about something again, again, and again until something breaks inside of your own mind. Uh, to consider Jesus. But also in Hebrews... Another word considers, translated considers, used in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. To consider your leaders. Uh, imitate the, the faith of your leaders and consider the outcome of their lives. Consider the outcome of their lives. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. And that word consider, that means to contemplate, to look again, to view with attention, to look with interest and for a purpose. In fact, that word consider, then Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, is the word to theorize, to, 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 to theorize something, to put something within a frame, to, 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 to process it within a, a structured, within structured thought. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, to contemplate, to look again, to view attentively, to look with interest and for a purpose. So these are the words to consider, to consider, to think repetitively about something, to think about something again and again and again. You know, and we always say redundance is a good thing in the spirit. Redundance is a good thing in the spirit. And then to consider Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7, consider your leaders. Um, uh, think about your leaders. Imitate their faith and consider the outcome of their lives. To theorize. In other words, you can sit alone and think about the processes of people and the outcome of their lives based on whatever decisions and choices and, and how they lead their lives. And that is Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. So we're having this panoramic view. We are considering things. Uh, we are thinking about Joseph and Mary in this context. because That's where God is pulling our attention towards. Consider Joseph and Mary and consider their lives and consider their process, consider what they did. And let's read again some, some scriptures here um, as we consider Joseph and Mary. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. In the sixth month, God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin who was in a journey, who was in a process. Life is unfolding. Natural processes of life are unfolding. She's about to get married. She is making wedding plans. She is getting her wedding gown ready. Um, guests are invited. Things are set. And right at, at that point in time, God comes and shows up to this virgin, to this young woman. Would have been young. Um, would have been young, probably late, 19, uh, late teens, early, early 20s, would have been quite young, young girl getting ready to get married. And the angel shows up with a message from God, and that changes the direction of her life. Not only does it change the direction of her life, it changes the direction of the life of her fiance, Joseph. It changes, you can imagine the level of frustration and how upset the family would have been by this, you know, 
this idea that this young woman actually falls pregnant as they plan towards the wedding. So that's what happens. God shows up. God shows up and it changes the direction of this young woman's life. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we have a situation. God has shown up to this young woman who is about to get married, and that upsets the plans. And Joseph is absolutely upset. He wants to break up because he's upset. And he thinks that, well, there's been a level of unfaithfulness that has happened here. And, um, and uh, you know, and God again intervenes, and, and God redirects Joseph and, and gives Joseph a perspective. Quite an amazing story. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to your son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so God tells Joseph what is in the womb of Mary, God tells Joseph how that baby is supposed to be named and described and what was the purpose and the mission of the baby. Very, very crucial if you pull that as a parental principle. Absolutely, absolutely important. And, uh, and that settles Joseph. In Matthew, in Matthew 1 verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. He gave him the name Jesus. Beautiful story, absolutely powerful story. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, when they, the wise men, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod, and, uh, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. You can imagine, if you think about that logistically, this couple is waking up, excuse me, is waking up in the night and they basically have to escape through you know, immigration and, and they're headed to Egypt. Matthew chapter 2 verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And just scanning through the scriptures in Luke and in Matthew, seeing the picture, come, you know, bring these together to get the picture of what's going on with this couple here and what they are having to steward in the things of God. Well, the story of Joseph and Mary reveals good stewardship, good stewardship, good spiritual stewardship of the purposes of God. And this is stewardship that takes place amidst great difficulty 
and by young and an inexperienced couple. They are good stewards, these people. If you read their story, the one thing you're going to have to see is the stewardship of the things of God. The stewardship of the things of God. And so God is saying to us, consider Joseph and Mary. The thing that he would want us to see, and there's a, a lot more detail in some of the things that we went through last Tuesday when we prayed. And when we're going to scan through those things as we, you know, as weeks, you know, unfold. But the first thing that, you know, we have to see, one of the critical things we have to see about this couple is a good stewardship of the purposes of God amidst great difficulty. And we're going to talk about the issue of stewardship a little bit because I think, I think that's important uh, inside of our time, inside of our season, uh, you know, uh, uh, for this church, stewardship of the purposes of God. So Joseph and Mary are inspiring us. They are a good inspiration of stewardship in the purposes of God. How you steward the things of God in the midst of great difficulty? inexperienced, young and inexperienced, and how God can take massive aspects of his purposes and put them on the lap of a young and an inexperienced couple and expect that they will be able to steward the process that the marriage is not going to break, that Joseph is not going to snap as a man. You know, the marriage is not going to break, but things are going to unfold, uh, you know, until that baby is born and that there's going to be stewardship along the way towards a time when Jesus is 30 and is able to start ministry, which is the reason why you and I are here. So if you think about it, that's quite profound that God would take something that massive and put it on a lap, on the lap of young women, young men, inexperienced in the things, you know, of, they've never raised a baby before. You think that if anybody has a steward baby Jesus, it's gonna be. It's gonna have to be somebody who's you know who knows how to change nappies, right? Um, you know who, who knows how to deal with fever at night. You know something about babies getting sick at night. Vanessa, do you understand this thing here? I don't know. They never get sick during the day. They get sick when the pharmacies are closed and when everything is closed. So you'd, you'd think that God would use a, a very well-seasoned, well-experienced couple to steward the process. And he uses this young, inexperienced couple, Joseph and Mary. And they, you know, they stand up, they rise up, they show themselves to be up to the task. They are good stewards of the things of God. You know, we can see the decision-making process. We can see the voice of God informing the choices that they're making. You can see movement you know, to Egypt and back and, and, and just the timing of God. Uh, you know, trying to look for Airbnbs and Airbnbs full and having to locate a manger for the bathing of the child. It's, it's a series of decisions that have to be taken along the way. In the midst of great difficulty, in the midst of lack, they are stewarding something quite profound and massive in the history of mankind. And you think that God would pick a, a couple in a palace, right, where there is the abundance of resource, that you don't have to worry about not finding an Airbnb. Why should Jesus be born in a manger, you know, with animals, you know, doing the animal thing? And, you know, why, why must there be lack and frustration? And that's how God tends to work. 
And that's how the things of God tend to flow and come upon the earth, you know, through, through suffering and challenge and difficulty. And Joseph, throughout that process, keeps making choices and decisions, and he is doing very well as a father. Spiritual stewardship. Let's say that together. Spiritual stewardship is best demonstrated in the way we live our lives, in the way we administer our affairs, and in the way we face challenges. Spiritual stewardship is best demonstrated in the way we live our lives. We can come here on Sunday and say, hey, I'm a good steward of the things of God, but it really has to show itself in the way that I steward my life, in the way that I administer the affairs of my life. When situations start moving and circulating, what do I do? That's when stewardship has to be demonstrated. Stewardship is best demonstrated in the way we live our lives, in the way we administer our affairs, and in the way we face challenge. How do we, you know, what happens when challenge comes our way? And all those questions are important in the demonstration of stewardship inside of our lives. You can see Joseph and Mary, they're faced with challenge all around. They're having to move down to, you know, to why must we move to Egypt? Why must we take the trouble? They're having to look for Airbnbs and every place there was, every hotel room is filled up that evening. They can't find a place. They've been following a star. They're having to interact with strangers. It's quite a, an unfamiliar territory. It's very, very challenging. And in every, you know, at every turn of the way, it's challenging. It's challenging all, 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 all the way. They are having to deal with Herod and, and the threat um, of, of the genocide. And they have to escape that. And that's the heritage that we have. That's our heritage, saints, that we have. That we can actually steward the things of God amidst great difficulty. So stewardship is best demonstrated in the way we live our lives, in the way we administer our affairs, and in the way we face challenges. The purpose of God we can see here in the story of Joseph and Mary, that the, purpose, the purposes of God are disruptive. We often have to decide when we're confronted by a purpose. We have to decide between our personal goals and the will of God. And again, the, the place of peace and of harmony and where we thrive is when the will of God has become our personal goal. It's when we are no longer fighting against the will of God. When the will of God has become our personal goal, that's when we begin to thrive. The purposes of God can be disruptive as we have seen in this young, wife, in this young woman, Mary, who is pledged to be married. And yet the angel of the Lord comes to announce news that really disturbed the romantic story and how that disrupts. And yet both these people, Joseph and Mary, yield themselves to the will of God and the will of God becomes their personal goal. And that's a great place to find yourself. And the sooner, the quicker you find yourself in that place, the better where the will of God has become my personal goal, where there's no, no, no longer conflict between the will of God and my personal goal. The purposes of God are pretty disruptive in the life of human beings. That's the other thing that we see. So the stewardship of Joseph and Mary is seen 
in these ways that, in the way that they lived their lives. They held their lives and marriage together. In the midst of pressure, difficulty, you know, like I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago that there is the voice of the uncle, the voice of the aunt speaking and expressing all manner of things about the situation. And they have to hold things together. They have to hold things together. They have to hold their marriage together. In fact, Joseph thinks of breaking up. Thinks of no longer going ahead with their wedding plans. And they have to hold things together because God is leading and is guiding them through his voice. They demonstrate stewardship by holding their lives and their marriage together. They diligently are following the voice of God inside of their lives. Making choices based on the voice of God. Not based on you know, what they were preferring or what they were wanting to do or what felt good to them. God would speak, go to, uh, to Egypt now, and they would go there. Now come back home, they would come back home. Do this, they would do, name your child G Jesus, they would do that. You know, they didn't have a, they didn't think, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's not a very fancy name. They, they, they were following, they were following the voice of God to the detail. They diligently heard and followed the voice of God, making choices that are based on the voice of God. They made administrative and logistical decisions in line with the demand of God upon their lives. I mean, if you've been looking for Airbnb, you want a hospital in which your wife can give birth, and every hospital there is is full, every Airbnb is full, you know, Joseph could give up. He said, well, I give up. But he goes and looks by a manger. He said, well, we can do with this. We can... We can we can facilitate the things of God. In, so they, are, they have the capacity, the attitude to not, to not give up in life in the midst of lack and difficulty and challenge. They keep looking. If the Airbnbs were full, if the hospitals were full, then there would be the manger. There would be something that they could use to deliver the purposes of God. And, and in the story, we can see that the things of God are not fancier. Yeah? We, we cannot romanticize, and we do live in a, in a time um, uh, where church and kingdom and purpose are kind of rom romanticized. And when those romantic ideas are disrupted, we think that God is disrupted. So the fact that the Airbnbs were full, the fact that the hospitals were full, did not mean that God did not want that baby born. Yeah? That baby had to be born. If it was the manger, the baby had to be born, right? And, and, and so they're making these administrative and logistical decisions. They're being creative along the way. They are changing. They are not following. They're not stuck to conventional processes. That has got to be hospital so-and-so, and the conditions must be in a particular way. They, are, they will pick a manger if they have to pick a manger. There is animal dung. It's not, a very, it's not a very compatible place. Yeah? Can you imagine that? It's not a very compatible place. So these people do not have a sense of right to life. They have dealt with something on the inside of them. They, they, they will do whatever is necessary to steward the purposes of God and to give back to the things of God. And of course, they face difficulty with honor. I think they face difficulty with honor. 
I mean, when I read the story of Joseph and, and, and Mary, I am challenged. It's like, well, this challenges me. They face difficulty with such honor, with such attitude, godly attitude inside of their own heart. And that's the stewardship that we see inside of Joseph and Mary. They hold their lives and their marriage together. How many fights there could have been there? Yeah? I'm like, well, we're waking up now. We're going to Egypt. It's midnight. Like, well, Mary is like pregnant, you know. It's like, you know, she, she's, she's a woman. She is, she, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. She, she carries a baby. She, she you know, you know she, she's, a nursing, she's a nursing mom. It's difficult. And, and they make those choices. They're moving around. They diligently hear and follow the voice of God. They, they, they make administrative and logistical decisions in line with the demand of God upon their lives. What is the demand of God upon my life? And how do I translate that into administrative and logistical decisions? You know, they, 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 have a, they have a baby and they're moving around with the baby and they're saving the baby from the plans of the enemy, essentially. And they face difficulty with such honor. The purpose of God was advanced amidst controversy, misunderstanding, and suspicion. It was advanced amidst controversy, misunderstanding, and suspicion. There was controversy around the pregnancy of Mary. Around the pregnancy of Mary. So the purpose of God is advanced amidst controversy, misunderstanding, and suspicion. And if you think about it, it's quite amazing that the greatest advance of heaven takes place upon a context of controversy, upon a context of suspicion and of misunderstanding. That, that God is not allergic to controversy. He, he has no issue having to walk through controversy to deliver the purposes of the kingdom of God. And God, clearly, inside of this story, only clarifies himself to those he regarded as relevant to the story. There would have been many people who did not understand how Mary got pregnant, who had big questions about that. But God only sends the angel to Joseph and Elizabeth and a few other people. You know, he chooses some shepherds to tell them about the bathing of the Messiah. It's like God is choosing those to whom he will clarify himself in the process of purpose. Which means that the role players in the purposes of God had to possess the maturity, the discipline of walking through unresolved issues. Mary can't be so burning with wanting to clarify herself that she is paralyzed and can no longer serve God. Because she so wants to explain that, hey, it's not some guy who made me pregnant, you know. This was truly the Holy Spirit. She cannot spend the rest of her life crying and seeking to clarify herself. She needs to move forward and keep marching on. The purpose of God is advanced here amidst controversy, misunderstanding, and suspicion. Because there was controversy about around who was the father of the baby. And that controversy hit Joseph himself. It would hit any, 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 any spouse, any, any fiance would be concerned about that. The greatest advance of heaven upon earth takes place amidst great controversy and suspicion. And God decides only to clarify himself to those he regarded as relevant to the process. But Joseph 
God wanted to pull Joseph in. He could have left him. He wanted to pull Joseph in, and so he sends a dream to him to clarify the issue. The Spirit of God jumps upon Elizabeth, and you know she 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 prophesies the the pregnancy in the you know the baby in the womb of of Mary. So God is choosing very selectively those to whom He wants to clarify Himself, and it's quite an amazing amazing story, and this purpose of God facilitates this alliance of role players, of new people that did not know each other prior to the pregnancy of Mary, right? Joseph and Mary themselves are reconciled, which means that their relationship goes through a process of renewal. Mary and Elizabeth rediscover each other as Elizabeth discovers that her, her relative was pregnant with the Christ. So there's a renewal of relationship. When God moves, we should expect renewal of relationships, old relationships. Elizabeth prophesies about the pregnancy. The wise men come from the east. These are strangers. These are new people. And so Joseph and Mary have to, you know, uh, rise up and interact with people that are strangers who are coming from different cultures. The unifying factor is baby Jesus. So the wise men come from the east. There are shepherds who become witnesses about baby Jesus. And the angel of the Lord reveals himself to these shepherds. And they go investigating about the baby. They do find the baby. And they go back to the community saying, hey, the Messiah has been born. There is the righteous Simeon who goes to the temple to pray for the baby. There is the intercessor, prophetess Anna, who also celebrates the baby. The Egyptians, even, inside of the story, who provide care, protection, and hospitality to this family. And there is ultimately John the Baptist, who announces and introduces the Christ to, this, to society. All of these role players coming together, not because, well, they, they want to be friends, but the, the, the baby Jesus, the purpose of God is bring them together. Bring them together to come and to steward something. And so when God begins to move, people that did not know each other before will begin to come to a place of interaction and relationship on the basis of common purpose. Joseph and Mary. So there will be a renewal of old relationships and there will be a forging of new relationships uh, as God moves. Joseph and Mary's re uh, relationship uh, you know, is renewed uh, instead of a time when Joseph is contemplating to break up. Mary and Elizabeth rediscover each other because they are pregnant with some significant babies. Elizabeth prophesies the pregnancy of, 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 you know, uh, of Mary long before Mary begins to show up, you know, a tummy with, with a baby. Uh, the wise men from the east come and worship baby Jesus, King Jesus. And Joseph and Mary have to host these, these, these men. And uh, in the midst of that, there's Herod going crazy. And the Pharisees contemplating and making policies and, and making plans and uh, in administrating genocide. There are shepherds who are really just shepherding, taking care of animals. And the angel shows up to them and they go and investigate. They find the baby Jesus and they go around witnessing. The Russia Simeon, the prophetess Anna, the Egyptians who provide care to this family uh, when, when God shows up and say, hey, you know, um, uh, uh, they, want, they would want to kill the baby, so you 
rise up and you move. And uh, Joseph takes his family to Egypt and um, uh, they, 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 they go there and they stay there under protection with the hospitality of the Egyptians. It's quite an interesting story. It brings so many people together. John the Baptist ultimately is the one who announces, behold, the Lamb of God. He carries the anointing to show people the Lamb of God. He baptizes Jesus. And so you have all these role players. We've got to, if we are pressing into the purposes of God, accept, accept the diversity of role players that are going to come and be brought by God to, to participate in what God is doing in the earth. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful uh, that we see here. And so, what is stewardship? If we have to define stewardship, if you're saying that this couple is showing us stewardship, and what stewardship looks like, what is stewardship? Well, simply put, we can say that stewardship is the administration of the purpose of God. Stewardship is the administration of the purpose of God. The administration of the purpose of God. But we can also say that stewardship is the way we manage ourselves, the, the way we manage relationships, the way we manage the affairs of life to facilitate an uninterrupted flow of the purpose of God. So Joseph wants to break up because he's upset because of, you know, Mary is pregnant. And God shows up and said, don't break up. This is from God. This is from me. And he reconciles. He is managing relationships with his future wife. He is managing the relational space in accordance with the purpose of God upon his life. He's not allowing his emotions to overtake him and to overwhelm him. He is letting the voice of God be the leader again, ahead of emotions to steward the relational space because he sees that there's a bigger issue that is taking place there. The way we manage ourselves, the way we manage relationships, the way we manage the affairs of our lives to facilitate an interrupted flow. Where you, wanna, where you and I want to be is in that space called the an, in uninterrupted flow of the purpose of God. What kind of flow? Uninterrupted. Because when we make bad decisions, when we snap emotionally, and when our behavior and character is not mature, we're going to interrupt the flow of the purpose of God. The thing is, God comes in, releases his purpose in 2023. I almost said 2022. 2023. Upon people who live in, inside of time and space and who are surrounded by all sorts of, sorts of you know, situations, who feel hot in Devon, who have to deal with budgets and, and, and difficulty, but those people, once they recognize the purpose of God, they've got to manage their lives and the affairs of their lives in such a way that there is an uninterrupted flow of the purpose of God. The way we manage ourselves, our relationships, and the affairs of life to facilitate an uninterrupted flow of the purpose of God. Stewardship is the organization of our lives in the call of God. It's one thing to receive the call. It's another to organize ourselves in the call of God. So stewardship is the organization of our lives 
in the call of God. The organization of our lives in the call of God, our character, our personalities, our habits, our routines. They are routines that will not work if you and I have a particular call in God. We have to be leading a particular lifestyle, a way of life. The way of life has to facilitate the call of God. Must not work against it. So the way we administer all of those things, organization of our lives in the call of God, you know. So we have to structure our lives a certain way. Uh, I can be in Cape Town over December, but I have to send a, an exhortation on Sunday. I can't see that as, a, as an interruption of a holiday. Yeah? It's, 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 it's my duty. It's my responsibility. Now, not because somebody put a gun on, on, on my head. It's, it's what I love to do. It's how, what I have to do. It's the call of God. It's called what? The call of God. Our organization, the organization of our lives in the call of God. Once God calls, that requires a particular organization. And oftentimes, we, 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 you know, we can abort the call when we are lurking in the organization around that call. When we're lacking in the reconciliation of our minds around the routines that are required inside of that call of God. When we're conflicted in our hearts, like, actually, I want to go to movies right now, but maybe you should be praying. Yeah? And don't hear me wrongly here. You know, I love going to movies. I watch a lot of them. But the, 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 the word of God says, Woe unto you, O land, if your Princes drink wine in the morning. A lacking of sense of timing in the activities of the kingdom of God inside of my life. I lack organization, in other words. Organization of our lives in the call of God. I am immature. When it's, come, it's time to come to Sunday to, to gatherings, it's time to come to gatherings. It's part of, it resources the flow of my life. And yes, we start at 12 o'clock. And yes, 12 o'clock is lunchtime. But hey, who cares about lunchtime? <laughs> Kiara is laughing at this. Kiara, who cares about lunchtime? You've got to resource your life. There is a higher cause than lunch. You can have lunch yesterday at 12 o'clock. <laughs> it works that way. I can disrupt my Sunday because this resource is the flow of my life. It's the, it's part, it's what logic, it's, it's my manger moment here. Yeah? Everybody must have a manger moment. Airbnbs are full, hospitals are full, but the baby must be born. I'm not going to say, well, Mary, I, I'm frustrated right now. I, I've been checking on Airbnb app and everything is full. I think I'm going home. You see, go, go to your aunt. <laughs> go to your auntie, she'll sort you out. Joseph could have done that, right? That's what's called, called snapping. I'm giving up, I'm breaking up. I'm, the pressures of life are so weighty upon me that I couldn't. Oh, because maybe, maybe you could have suffered from, I can't take seeing my wife giving birth in a manger. That's a middle class problem, right? I can't take it. And so, and so, and so, 
All sorts of things could organization of our lives in the call of God. There's a stewardship of the purpose of God. The nature of our movement between encountering God's call and imparting life to people. That gap, that space, that traffic. What happens from the moment I encounter God to the moment I have to come and impart what I've encountered. Oftentimes we receive our encounters from God with excitement. But the gap, the traffic between that time to the time where I have to practice ministry and discharge something, the traffic can be so frustrating that you lose your excitement along the way, yeah? Just like being stuck on actual traffic on Monday morning, you know, going to work. The frustrations and maybe bumping into somebody and what happens and, you know, all of those sort of, you know, uh, frustrations. Nature, the nature of our movement between encountering God's call and imparting life to people. Ministry arrangements and operational flows that facilitate the anointing of God. Ministry arrangements and operational flows. When we put those things together, we are really just facilitating the anointing of God. The way we structure Sunday is meant to facilitate the anointing of God. We don't have Sunday just because of tradition, because people meet on Sunday, but we are facilitating an arrangement, an operational flow that facilitates the, the anointing of God. The process of conversion of calling to kingdom enterprise. How do we convert calling to kingdom enterprise? An enterprise like this, of people, of structures, of operations. How do we convert the conversion of the call of God into a kingdom enterprise? Often God will call one man and out of that man begin to put, put together an enterprise, a kingdom enterprise. You can call it church or community or or, or some entity, whatever it is, or, 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 or some team or some portfolio, some ministry team, whatever it is, there's a process to which God engages or that we have to engage in the conversion of the call of God to a kingdom enterprise. That process is called stewardship. A lot can go wrong from the time or between the time when God spoke to you and the time when you have to Organize others around what God spoke to you. Yeah? A lot can go wrong. Relationships can go wrong. Challenge and frustration can happen along the way. Lack of discipline can happen along the way. A lot can go wrong. And these, these things are definitions of stewardship. The administration of the purpose of God. You know, first and foremost, that's generally what we can call stewardship. Because what Joseph and Mary are doing is they're administrating the purpose of God. The way we manage ourselves, the way I manage myself, always there's a has to be a living of a life of purity if I'm walking in the things of God. There has to be disciplines of God establishing out of my own heart. The way I manage myself, the way I manage my relationships, I can't just snap, I can't just be moody. My, 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 my attitude has to be tempered by the intensity of the call of God upon my heart. The, the, the management of the affairs of life. All of that done to facilitate what kind of flow? What kind of flow? Uninterrupted flow of the purpose of God. And you know when the flow of the purpose of God has been interrupted. 
and you don't want to be in a place like that. And the interruption of the flow of God is not to mean, I'm not talking about things going bad around you. I'm talking about you. Yeah? I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about the state of your mind. I mean, there's a lot that the enemy will do around you to try to interrupt. It really is getting to your soul. He wants to get, what's the only time, the only time the purpose of God can truly be disrupted is when your soul is disrupted. So the point of suffering for Job was to see if he would curse God. The point was not the dying children and the collapsing business, was to see if he would curse God. And, and so that's why the enemy is really pressing against your soul, my soul. And you and I are called to steward, to hold that together so that things don't collapse there. A lot can collapse around you, but not your soul. Yeah? Yes? An uninterrupted flow of the purposes of God. Organization of our lives in the call of God. It's like, it's like your life, the organization of your marriage. If you're married, organization of your family, the way you do parenting, the way you structure your week. All of that is, is part and parcel of the stewardship process. The nature of our movement between encountering God's call and imparting life to people. When we engage the mission of God, that, you know, uh, movement, ministry engagement arrangements and operational flows that facilitate the anointing of God, they are operational flows that would not be very helpful to me in the flow of the anointing of God. Yeah? Uh, and so we have to structure arrangements and operational flows in a way that helps us to discharge the anointing of God in the most effective way, the process of conversion, of calling to kingdom enterprise. When God calls, God does not begin by calling LSA. He begins by calling a man. And then he, out of that process, he establishes an enterprise, a people, structures, operations along the way, over, the, over time, over the years, things get built and things get established. Uh, there's a word that says, Abraham, when I called you, you were but one, and I have made you many. And God facilitates that in the book of Isaiah. When I called you, you were but, you were but uh, one, and I made you many. And there's a process to the things of God. And this, part two of this is looking at some of the teachings of Paul around issues of stewardship. Everybody got the picture of stewardship? Yeah. And we can see and are inspired by Joseph and Mary in the way that they steward the things of God. Stewardship is what we see inside of their lives. They have to make all these decisions. Um, they have to hold their lives together, their marriage together. They have to diligently follow the voice of God. They have to make administrative and logistical decisions. They're going to Egypt. They're coming back. It's difficult. In those days, you're not hopping onto a plane. You're probably riding on a camel. You know, it's difficult. It's hot. It's, it's hectic. You know, they have to face difficulty, but they do so with honor. It's beautiful. And they're living in the midst of controversy as God advances things. Absolutely, absolutely powerful stuff. What does Paul say about stewardship? Stewardship. Let's say that word together again. Stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. 
Let a man, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. This is the New King James. The NIV says, as those who have been entrusted with the mysteries of God. So stewardship means God has entrusted something to you and I. He, something depends upon us for things to move. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And that word mysteries is the word secrets. That which is hidden. That which is hidden. That which is unknown to human reason. That which requires initiation and introduction. We are stewards of things that are yet to be introduced to man. In other words, that's what Paul is saying. There are things that God is ushering into the earth. They are mysteries. They are secrets of the kingdom. And we're stewarding them. They have to be introduced. Or men or human beings have to be introduced to these things. The NLT says we have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. So the significance of that is that God is about to do something upon the earth. And Paul is saying, I, I am a steward. I am a, an agent. I'm a facilitator to introduce to mankind, to the church, the things that God wants to do. And that word steward, stewardship, is the word oikonomos. That word is taken from two words, oikos, which is the house, and nomos, which is administration. And so stewardship or oikonomos is the stewardship of the house. And of course, this word oikonomos is the word from which you get the English word economy. Economy, economics is a study of a dispensation of resources in society and how a nation grapples with these things. And so Paul says, I am the economist, I am the steward, I am the oikonomoi of the things of God. I have been entrusted to steward God's household and the affairs of his house. Absolutely, absolutely powerful word. Administ administration of the house of God. And that word stewardship means a house distributor, a manager of an estate, an administrator, a person who manages domestic affairs of a family or business, one who assigns tasks and portions, one who manages affairs and accounts, a treasurer or a fiscal agent, like the minister of finance when he does the budget speech would fit within this description. He is the steward of the national resources. And so Paul says, we are stewards. We are stewards of the mysteries, of the secrets, of the things that God is about to do, things that are hidden, currently hidden from man, but that, that must be brought to light, that must be brought to a place of understanding amongst men. Uh, we, he says we are stewards of those things. Stewardship, powerful word this. A house distributor, manager of an estate. So God, Paul is saying, I have been given a particular responsibility allocated to me within the context of the body of Christ to steward a process, to steward the flow of the purposes of God. There are many other stewards at this point in time. There's Peter doing Peter thing in Jerusalem. And Paul is celebrating himself and his team as a steward of the purposes of God within the jurisdiction called the Gentiles. The Gentiles, the Gentiles. That's what Paul is called to do, the Gentiles. 
A person who manages domestic affairs of family or business. One who assigns tasks and portions. So there has to be the careful administration of the flow of things, in other words. How things flow within a week, within a month, within a year, within 2023. How do things flow in such a way that we can say in 2023 we delivered on the mandate of God? That's the word stewardship. How do things flow in your life in such a way that you can say that in 2023, lonely delivered in the purposes of God? That's stewardship. That's stewardship. That word mysteries, like I said, is the word secrets, hidden, unknown to, that which is unknown to human reason. That which has not entered the, the mind of man. That which is not a part of the language of man. That which is going to be introduced through the mechanism of teaching such as this one. That men are going to have to be introduced and be brought to the understanding that there is such a thing as kingdom humanity. That they were not thinking about that before. It was not a part of their thought, of their thinking, of their language. It wasn't even a part of their conversation. So Paul says there are mysteries, secrets, hidden, unknown to human reason, requiring initiation and introduction. How do we introduce the church? Which is the prophetic question here. How do we introduce the church of Jesus Christ to the revelation of kingdom humanity? The implication of that is that stewardship and witnessing cannot be separated. We have to witness about that which is hidden to man. That which is not readily understood. That which is not a part of the doctrinal conversation of church. As the word stewardship, the mysteries. How do we introduce church of Jesus Christ to the revelation of kingdom? What kind of lifestyle does that require? What kind of marriages does that require? What kind of men, young girls and boys does that require? How do we, in the midst of that task and mandate and mission from God, how do we face uh, difficulty and challenge? Do we go a step further after we have discovered that the Airbnbs and hospitals are full and locate a manger? Are we that kind of people that will give birth to a baby in a manger? Are we the kind of people that will wake up at night because the voice of God has spoken to go to Egypt? Or are we in our mid-30s, mid-40s looking for comfort, first and foremost? And that's how these things have to be understood. Paul says we are stewarding the mysteries. How do we introduce people to what God is saying? In the midst of you know, great difficulty and resistance and challenge and logistical frustrations and all sorts of things. Climate and hot debit. And all sorts of things. In the midst of navigating jobs and businesses and raising children and loving our wives and loving our husbands. And having to make time as families. How do we navigate? Are we, are, we the, are we the manger people? Is this church the kind of church that can give birth in a manger? 
that can raise up and wake up at night because God is speaking. Yep. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. That's what Paul says. Stewardship and witnessing cannot be separated. Everybody got that? Uh-huh. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want us to be asking ourselves these questions. And God, great example in Joseph and Mary. What a young couple. To be stewarding the greatest thing that God ever did upon the earth, which was the birth of Jesus. Baby, there's nothing more than that that God will do in this dispensation of mortality. And the birthing of baby Jesus. How do we introduce the church of Jesus Christ to the revelation of kingdom humanity? Stewarding the things of God. We are stewards. So navigating Paul as he talks about stewardship. In Ephesians 3 verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely in verse 2, you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. There he uses that word again. The administration, let's say administration, which is actually a synonym, and the other word stewardship is used inter interchangeably in the word of God um, in the scriptures. Um, the word stewardship or administration, same thing. Um, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Begins by saying, I'm a prisoner. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a captive in bonds. I'm in chains. I do not have the luxury to just make any decision anytime. Yeah? I am a man under authority. I live within the orbit of Christ's universe. That's what he's basically saying. I am confined. It's not my will that has the ultimate say to what things happen, to you know, what happens in the purposes of God. It is the witness of the Lord inside of my own heart. And so I'm bound by that. That's what he's saying. I'm a captive. I'm a prisoner. And it links that captivity in Christ to the stewardship of God's grace. And like I said, that is the same word that is using, that is used um, uh, earlier in 1 Corinthians 4. So in 1 Corinthians 4, let a man consider, so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries. We're administrating, stewarding something that God is ushering into the realm of man. He calls it the mysteries. It is hidden. It is secret. It is a secret of God. But it can't stay a secret. How many of us know that? It actually has to be publicized. It needs to be published. It needs to be sent out there. People need to hear about it. It can't stay as a secret in the heart of Robert or in the computer somewhere. It needs to be published. It needs to be sent out. But Paul says, I'm a conduit. I'm a, I'm a facilitator of how God is going to publicize this thing. I have been called with that responsibility. That's what Paul is saying. I'm a house administrator. I'm stewarding the estate of the purposes of God. Yeah. I'm, I'm stewarding the estate of the purposes of God. That's what he says. He uses the same word here in Ephesians 3, verses 1 and 2. Surely you have heard about the administration, the stewardship of God's grace. The other word is the word dispensation or distribution. Same word of the grace of God. 
oikonomia, the economy of the grace of God. The flow of resources, the way that resource is structured to flow, to touch people. You know. And based on the scope of the territory, that puts a greater demand and there is a higher uh, you know, sacrifice. The, the, the territory determines the price. Yeah. I mean, if you're saving mankind like Jesus, you're going to have to die, right? I mean, the, the darkness is not going to give you souls just for free. You're actually going to have to go to the cross and you're going to be nailed. You're going to be insulted. It's going to be a whole day of the enemy having feast on you. You're going to be insulted. They're going to put crown, the crown of thorns on you. It's going to be a slow death. You know. This is not like modern human rights based systems where you get an injection and in no time you're gone. It's going to be a slow death. You're going to be naked in public. I mean, they're going to take you. It's going to be 39 stripes. And I mean, that's not, that's a proper, you know, I think has, it's like, it's like, it's going to be a slow death. Basically, the crucifixion was designed to be a slow death. Because by the time the person dies, everybody must have, you know, the idea was that everyone must, you know, should have had, you know, a good lesson of what not to do, right? It was a way to instill fear on people. And Jesus is dying that kind of death. But why? Why the great price? Because the value is greater. It's the human souls. So the higher the, 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 the price, the, 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 the bigger the territory, the more precious the, 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 the thing that God is going after is the more those who are called are going to have to pay the price, the more sacrifice there is going to be. That's how these things work. It's spiritual reality. The administration, the responsibility and arrangement of an administration, the way we structure things to facilitate the flow of God, to circulate the resource of God, what is the best way to circulate the resource of God uh, such that come December 2023, we've achieved some significant things? But if we think about that, we have to think also equally about the cost of that, the sacrifice of that. Because these plans also require sacrifice. You know, sacrifice. Everybody getting the idea? Do you get the idea? This is, this, is quite, this is quite prophetic, this. I hope that you can see what God is saying to us. It says in Ephesians, in Ephesians 3, verse 3, the mystery was made known to me by revelation. That's what he says. In verse 6, he says, the mystery is that through the gospel, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. So in verse 3, the mystery was made known to me by revelation. The application to us, and they say, the mystery is a mystery of kingdom humanity. For Paul, it was a mystery of reconciliation of the Jew and Gentile. For us, it's a mystery of kingdom humanity. That God is adorning the church with the humanity of Christ. That's the mystery. In verse 6, the mystery is that through the gospel, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Christ. And so for us, the mystery is that now through the gospel, we have kingdom humanity. We have a faith-based humanity in Christ Jesus. And we're grappling with these things. We see that God is adorning the church 
with the humanity of Christ. There is a beautiful adorning, a, a garment that is coming from heaven upon the church to beautify her, to put structure to her, to put arrangement. That word beauty is the word cosmos. Cosmos, you know, cosmeo, from which you get the English word cosmetics. The beauty has a lot more to do with structure and arrangement. Structure and arrangement. To be beautiful, men, I mean, women, it says in poor Peter, must make themselves beautiful, must cosmeo themselves, must put arrangement upon their souls. And so we see that God is sending this garment of Christ upon the earth, beautifying the church, and that we are called to be stewards of the process. But we see also, and have encountered, the price is high. Why is the price high? Because... The cost is high because the value is even higher. What God is actually after is beautiful. It's beautiful. 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 So Ephesians 3, verses 8 to 13. This grace was given me to preach, he says, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery. The administration of the mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. It's Paul, amazing Paul. He says the grace was given, number one, to preach. And then he distinguishes between preaching and making plain the, 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 to everyone the administration of the mystery. The administration of the mystery. So he says it's preaching and then he is making plain the administration of the mystery. But the objective is that through the church, the multi-dimensional wisdom of God, the life of God, can be demonstrated before the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So we are in the service of Christ for the sake of stewardship of the mystery. Yeah? According to 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. We are in the service of Christ for the sake of stewardship of the mystery. Which means the stewards must be passionate about what? About what? About kingdom service. About kingdom service. So we are in the service of Christ for the sake of stewardship of the mystery. We are prisoners of Christ for the sake of stewardship of the mystery. And that means the stewards must embrace divine limitations put on them by Christ. We are prisoners. So imagine living in a jail, yeah? You, you can't go to a mall, actually, you're in jail. I'm not suggesting that LSA people must go, not go to a mall. I'm just making a point. Yeah, you, you have limitations because you are in jail, the jail of Christ, of his purpose. Then we are suffering, well, we are suffering for Christ. Or we can say, remember, suffering and passion are synonyms. We have the passion of the Christ for the sake of stewardship of the mystery, which, which means the stewards must make the connection between purpose and challenges of life. We have to see purpose behind suffering. And we have to see the reason why we're going through challenges. Because if you don't make that connection, if you don't make that connection, you're going you're gonna to sell your birthright. Yeah? 
you're going to do the Esau thing. You're going to sell your birthright. Definitely. If you don't make the connection between purpose and suffering. You're going to sell your birthright. And so we have to make the connection between purpose and suffering. Understand the, 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 the reason behind the suffering is that there is a purpose. And everything is circulating around that purpose. The realm of the spirit is circulating around that purpose. Demons are circulating around this, that purpose. The Holy Spirit is circulating very powerfully around that purpose. And there is a battle. It's a battlefield that we find ourselves in. And so we are not going to be without challenge and difficulty in the process. Stewards must make the connection between purpose and challenges of life. They must see the connection between purpose and suffering. Here's how Jesus puts this. In the parable of the soul, in Matthew chapter 13, 13 verses 20 to 21. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, which is what we would hope that we don't have, a, we, we, we're not suffering from. Since he has no root, he, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, Jesus says that man quickly falls away. The point we're making about this is that trouble and persecution will come because of the stewardship of the purpose of God. That's what Jesus is basically telling us. And so Paul says, I'm a steward. And my purpose, my duty is to make plain to everyone the mystery. And that word, that phrase, make plain to fortizo, to take a photo in the dark and show you the thing for what it truly looks like. To take a photo in the dark and to show you the thing. You know, like, like these cell phones, uh, these smartphones we carry. If, like, if you're carrying a, a Samsung, you can take these amazing photos in the dark. <laughs> and show people, you know, like, like it's daylight. It's, you know. These gentlemen agree with me. And they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? To take a photo in the dark and show it to the people. To make plain the administration of the mystery of God. The administration of the mystery. That's what we want to do. So God must give us the spirit of revelation wisdom, right? To do that. To take a photo of the things that are hidden and make them plain before people. My last scripture for today. Matthew 24, verses 45 to 48. Stewardship. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. So Jesus addresses the issue of stewards must possess a greater level of discipline of missional focus, right? Of staying focused on the mission. To not deviate along the way. To not cause time to, to let you deviate because of conditions around you. Stewards must possess a greater discipline of focus. They must stay focused in the things of God. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom the master has put in charge of the servants in, the, in his household to give, them their, to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. 
I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. It does give us the example also Jesus in the same scripture of a bad steward who deviates along the way and was found not doing the thing that he was commissioned to do. And we don't want to be that kind of steward, right? Want to be a good steward, faithful and wise servant. In the household, and the word used there for household is our therapy. We bring therapy to the body of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we've received prophetic words about abnormalities and pathologies in the, in the church. In church, you know, church, us included, has wrinkles, blemishes, and spots, and all these things. So we bring therapy. Our, the duty of the steward is to bring therapy to the church. To bring healing to the church. To remove the pathologies that are found in the body of Jesus Christ. Everybody got that? Yep. So we are inspired by um, Joseph and Mary in their stewardship. And we look at the teachings of Paul about stewardship. And we combine the two things to, to create a complete picture of what God is saying to us. Consider Joseph and Mary in their stewardship. And, and how these people will give back to the things of God, no matter what. They will wake up at night if they are wake, you know, woken up by the voice of God, and they will escape the genocide. In other words, they are navigating darkness through the voice of God. They are very diligent in the process. Like, what is God saying to you and I in our affairs of life right now, in our situations? What is he saying that you must do? How do you navigate the darkness? How do you navigate the plans of the, of the enemy for your life? Do we have the discipline that when we hear the voice of God, we will wake up and move? Yeah? Are we caught up in comfort? And so we are inspired by this young couple, Joseph and Mary. And may this church have the mindset of Joseph and Mary. The same mindset that we will give back in a manger. That we will do whatever it takes to deliver the things of God. We don't romanticize purpose and church. You know, church is not the fanciness of our physical settings on Sunday. Yeah? It is the it is the outflow of the purpose of God in our hearts. As we move as a collective towards the kingdom of God. We don't romanticize. The greatest things of God were born in a manger. And think about that for me a, mo a moment. Airbnb is full. Hospitals full. Everything full. Having to escape at night. Nothing romantic about that. And so I think part of what we want to do, LSA, in 2023 is to get the romantic idea of church out of, out of our minds, right? Yeah? And get down to the church as articulated in the word of God. You will suffer. You will enter the kingdom of God with pres through persecution. There will be great difficulty along the way. But God and grace of God will always be with you. The thing that you measure, the thing that you get concerned with is the quality of life. Once you've lost, uh, and, and the biblical way of saying that is the Zoe of God, right? 
Once you've lost the Zoe of God, the peace of God, the shalom of God, then you have to be worried. But if you have not lost that, just, you know, circumstances are kind of rough. That's okay. They have always been rough. Yeah? You think that baby Jesus will be born and the uncles will be standing there and the aunts and, you know, everybody ready to receive the baby. It's a solo affair between these two young people. As they have to steward this, that, you know. And instead, they're actually just interacting with strangers. The male guy and the shepherd, some, some strange shepherds come and they look at the baby and then they leave. It's, it's a strange time for a couple that's receiving a baby. Yeah? I mean, what would you want to do if you receive a baby? You want people that are part of family to be there. To celebrate that moment. They are alone. They, they, they're dealing with stuff. It's, it's very, very, it looks very uncertain. There's no Airbnb that thinks that, hey, this is baby Christ. We've got to, we, better, we better make space here. In other words, that which brings value to the world is not necessarily celebrated by the world. And the mistake we make in the purposes of God is when we think, wow, this is amazing what God is doing, man. Surely people will, will receive this with excitement. No. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He came to his own, but his own did not understand him. So when we're delivering the Christ, there is the tension that that which you and I carry is not understood. But yet, it is a thing that brings value to life. Yeah? It is a thing that brings value to life. It is a thing that brings resource to life. But it is not understood readily. Only by the effort of the Holy Spirit. Only by the effort of the Holy Spirit. So I want to be a good steward of the things of God. And we are inspired by Joseph and Mary. Come and stand and let's pray.